You can be seated. So I've got to ask you, have you ever felt like someone wasn't taking you seriously? Has that ever happened to anybody? Well, I was five years old, and I know sometimes it's hard to take a five-year-old seriously anyways, but um, I won't go into uh, a lot of detail, but I, I will say that it involved a paper duck, a box of matches, and one careless moment. Um, I have three older sisters, two years older, eight years older, and 11 years older, and so I always connected like with the one that was in the middle, uh, it seemed the best, and um, so uh, I, I went to to tell her, I, I uh, even at five, was calm under pressure, and so I walked into the bedroom where she was, and she was talking on the phone, and, and uh, I said, Carolyn, I didn't say it like that, when I was little, um, I had a speech impediment, I couldn't say my R's which is hard when your name's Larry. <laughs> your sister's names are Carolyn, Mary, and Deborah. So I said, Kelwin? And she said, Larry, I'm on the phone right now. I said, Kelwin? And she said, Larry, leave me alone. I'm talking on the phone. And I said, but Kelwin? And my sister, who's two years older, Maui, um, Came running down the hall into the bedroom yelling, the bed's on fire, the bed's on fire, back out, down, and out the street. Now, I don't know if Carolyn didn't take me seriously because I was five or if uh, she was just preoccupied on the telephone. But that happens to all of us. Uh, Sometimes we just don't feel like people are taking us seriously. Well, the Apostle Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy. Timothy's a pastor at a church in Ephesus uh, when Paul is writing this letter. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And Paul is writing to him, and, and, and whether there actually had been times where Timothy hadn't, wasn't taken seriously uh, because of his age, or whether that was just a fear that, that he had and that Paul picked up on whenever he was mentoring Timothy. And in any case, Paul's writing Timothy uh, in this letter, and And Paul has given Timothy really a pretty big task. Timothy's pastoring this church in Ephesus. And Paul in this letter is reminding him, Timothy, you need to confront people who are teaching false teaching. Uh, Timothy, you you need to guard against false teaching. You need to hold to sound doctrine. And and so Paul's giving him a pretty big task. And and, and Paul uh, obviously is, is kind of given, getting the idea that, that Timothy may be feeling a bit overwhelmed, maybe that they wouldn't listen. And, and here's how Paul begins 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. We'll read through verses, uh, verse 16. 16. Paul says this. He says, command and teach these things. All the stuff Paul had told him just before this. And then he says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy has a big task. Timothy's a, a youngish kind of guy. Um, and, and, and here he is having to address 
uh, th- this church and, and really kind of kind of tell them some hard things. Can you imagine if you're a young pastor and there's a, an older person in your church? And by the way, um, uh, the definition of older is 10 years older than you are. So I, I just want you to know. Um, and I guess that's still true. My father-in-law, I hope he's not listening to this message online, but uh, my, my father-in-law, I remember uh, they were in Georgetown, Texas, in Sun City, so it's a retirement area, and we're driving along, and he's complaining about all those old people. So 10 years older than you are. So Timothy is having to address people who are older than he, and, and sometimes... In, in, in some kind of hard ways. Can, can you imagine you're a young pastor and you have to go to a, an older, might have been someone who was respected in the church and to say, hey, what you're teaching is wrong and you need to stop. I mean, that, that's kind of hard. And so, so Paul is writing this to Timothy and he reminds him of all these things. Command and teach these things. So you command the people in, in your church, these people who are teaching things they shouldn't to stop, and you teach the things, the sound doctrine. And, and, and Timothy, whether Paul was afraid he was going to feel it or maybe Timothy had relayed to him, you know, that Paul, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a young guy, and, and to be addressing these people is, I mean, that's kind of hard. Paul says, Timothy, don't let anyone despise you because of your age. So, so let me like give you the thing in case your mind tends to wander. We, we, we do that sometimes. So, so here's the thing. God plans to use you regardless of your age or your giftings. So, so God plans to use you regardless of age or giftings. Now, now Timothy was a, a youngish kind of guy. And, and I know when I say stuff like this, that God plans to use you regardless of your age uh, or giftings, you know, you might be thinking, well, I, I'm, I'm too young. I mean, I'm only five years old. My biggest accomplishment is setting my bed on fire with a paper duck, you know. So, so you might think, I, I'm, I'm, I'm too young. I mean, God can't use me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be respected. I'm, I'm not going to be well received. Or you, you may think, I'm, I'm too old. Uh, God, God's not going to be able to use me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nearing the, the end uh, I'll share a story uh, uh, with you in, in, in a moment, but um, I always, it's always fun trying to give adults Sunday school classes names. I mean, you know, because some churches are, are really big, and if you do the number thing, you know, we're in adult 16. Because um, your question is, how many adult classes are there? Because you don't want to be in the last one. Is that right? Because the next one is glory bound, or, or you know that one is, and so, and so you know you, you might think I, yeah I, I I've done it. I mean God can't use me. I'm I'm you know way over here, or or you might think you know I, I don't really don't have any spiritual gifts. I mean God can't use me. I'm you know I have the gift of preaching or teaching or you know all those that we usually see the the visible kind of gifts. You know I don't have those kind of gifts. God can't really use me. Well, I want to let you know, we'll dig into this as we go through this passage, but God intends to use you. He plans to use you to build the kingdom regardless of your age, regardless of how young you are or regardless of how not so young you feel uh, anymore. And he plans to use you regardless of your giftings. In fact, um, biblically, God has gifted you in the way that he wants to use you. 
And, and not just spiritual gifts, we're, we're talking about your experiences. We, we all have different life experiences. God in, uses those. We all have different personalities. God intends to use those um, in, in building his kingdom. Uh, we, we have different uh, gifts. Uh, I call them, uh, not gifts, but um, interest. Um, I like to call them passions, our, our different passions. And, and God uses us the way that he's made us in his kingdom. And that's his plan. He's planned it that way. And, and you may be saying, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm too young. You know, I, 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 God can't really use me. Well, let's look at, at a few examples. One, one of them is a guy that, that he, he was in the family business. Um, it wasn't a very prominent family, but, but he was in the family business, and, and he, not, he, he not only was not in a prominent family, but he was low man on a totem pole in his family business. And, and so he, he, he just did what his dad told him to do. He, he was a sheep herder. He was a shepherd. And so, so he was watching the sheep. Now his brothers went on to war and, and because you know, they, were, they were big and strong, and, and David was stuck watching the sheep, and, and his dad told him, hey, David, take, the, take some food to your brothers and check on them and then come back and let me know. So, so now, I don't know if you can get demoted from being a shepherd, but now he's a little errand boy, and, and he's taking the food to them, and he's bringing, bringing word back, and he gets there, and there's supposed to be this war going on, and David gets there, and, and the, the Israelites are on one side, the, the Palestinians, the, the, the Philistine, I'm sorry, the Philistines are on, yeah, modern day. Uh, the, the Philistines are on the other side. There's a valley between, and, and, and like nothing's going on. David shows up, nothing's happening, except that this really tall dude named Goliath comes out every day, and he taunts. He makes fun of God. He makes fun of the nation of Israel, and everybody just stands around and does nothing, and, except David. David was a teenager. Now, I know... Uh, that, that you look at me and you say, Pastor Larry, you wouldn't have any trouble taking on a nine or ten foot guy. Yeah, he'd never be able to catch me. He's got to bend, <laughs> got to bend over too far. David, uh, from all accounts in Scripture, wasn't a really big, strapping, strong dude. Now he might have been strong, but ruddy is kind of the way that he's described. David was a teenager. And he took on Goliath. And you'd be, you'd be thinking, yeah, I know, everybody goes to David and Goliath, you know. Well, there, there were some other guys, and, and this is, these are, are, are stories that we tell our, our kids, and it's always fun. And, and if you haven't figured this out yet, I want to help you, whether you're a parent or grandparent or a, a kid someday who might be a parent or grandparent. What you say and what kids hear is always different. I don't know if you realize that, Okay. So these are, these are three guys. They're Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. Because um, uh, Abednego just doesn't, doesn't even sound right. And, and, and they were probably teens. And they stood up to the king because they weren't going to bow and worship anyone but God. And, and, and I, love, I love the way they put it. They said, we know that God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow and worship. And you know the story. Nebuchadnezzar had the fiery furnace. He did the seven times uh, the, the normal heat. The guys that went to open it were like incinerated, you know, the first cremation, I guess. I don't know. Poof. And, and then um, I, I love 
the Bible's so much fun. So, so I, if you can imagine your, yourself there, um, the, the other servants must have been kind of wandering off because they're afraid they're going to be the next one to have to open up uh, the door to the furnace. And, and after a bit, Nebuchadnezzar looks in there, and, and then he asks them, he said, how, how many did we throw in there? And I'm sure they were all afraid to say anything, but they said, uh, uh, you know, king, we, we put three in there. And he said, you know, there's four of them in there now, and one of them looks like the son of God. Those were teenagers. And then there's that guy, Daniel. They were actually all contemporaries. They, they were friends. Um, and, and Daniel wouldn't bow and, and worship the king and was thrown into the, the lion's den. You're, you're not too young for God to use you. In fact, you don't know, but God brought you to, it happened with Esther, brought you to a, a particular place at a particular time to be used. And, and you may be thinking, uh, some of you may be thinking, well, yeah, those are young guys, though, and they were still full of vision and full of life, and, and, and you know, they, they didn't know better. No, uh, that, that they, were, they were young guys, and, and so, of course, you know, you, you go to the young ones. Well, well, let's look at a couple more. There's this guy named Abraham. Um, and, and God called him, and he was not a spring chicken. In fact, by the time... God told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to bear a son and that God was going to bless the entire earth through their seed. She laughed because they were pushing 100. We had our second child uh, when we were 34. And I remember telling someone distinctly, this was years after when Hope was older, and, and I told someone, I said, yeah, you know, Hope, she slept through the night pretty early. And my wife leaned over and she said, no, you slept through the night pretty early. So I was already getting tired at 34, apparently. Pushing 100. And that's really when God began moving in big ways in Abraham and Sarah's life. And then there's this guy named Moses. Um, now, God got to him a little bit earlier. Moses was only 80 uh, whenever, whenever he encountered God in, in the burning bush. And God told him that he was going to use Moses to free the nation of Israel. They weren't even a nation yet, but to, to free God's people, to free them from slavery in Egypt. 80. Now, my neighbor's in his 80s, and he can work circles around me. Um, in fact, if I'm not careful, he'll sneak over and start splitting the wood. We have a machine, I just, just so you know, because he'd be scary if he was doing it with an axe. But uh, I'm thinking when I'm 80 years old, if that's when God calls me to do something big, my response would have to be, Lord, I'm just tired. <laughs> but God started with Moses when he was 80. Now, if you know the story pretty quick, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You were 80, and God said, I've got something for you. It's, gonna, it's only going to take about 40 years. Um, regardless of your age, God intends to use you. That's his plan. And, and I've said before, it's kind of fun to do sometimes, especially if people aren't expecting it. But, but here's the test to know if God is finished with you or not. Are you ready? Okay, take these fingers. I want you to put them. 
there. Do you feel something? If you don't, you better get your neighbor to help you really quick. Because if you're here, God intends to use you for the building of the kingdom. That's his plan. When he's done with you, you know how you know? You're not here anymore. I'm just saying. So Paul, Paul encourages Timothy. Paul admonishes Timothy in this. This young pastor that God had given a big task. And, and so here's kind of the two commands Paul gives him that, that I just want to encourage you with this morning. First of all, don't let anyone despise you because of your age. In other words, don't let your age keep you from serving God. You're not too young and you're not too old. You could say that, that if you're alive, you're the Goldilocks age. You're just right. And God intends to use of Christ. Every single one. That's why we're here. For the building of the kingdom. The second one is this. Use the gifts that God has given you. And, and I know... I, I, I've been around long enough now uh, I, I know and talked with enough people that that every time i say that there are some people here that are probably thinking but i don't know what my gifts are i i, I don't know let me let me just kind of walk you through a, a couple of ways of, of helping to find that out the, the first one is is this um what really energizes you it, it, uh, one of the best ways i, I know that we have spiritual uh spiritual gift inventories that we can do. And those are helpful to an extent. They might help point you in a direction. I wouldn't use that as a definitive answer to what your spiritual gifts are. But, but, but one of the best ways that I know to find out what your spiritual gifts are is to just start serving. Just start somewhere. And, and, and when you do that, if you are more energized than drained, then probably that, that's... That's the gift that you have. I've shared with, with the, over the years several times, but it, this is one of the things where God just really kind of turned the light on for me. Um, I, I was doing fifth and sixth grade Boys and Girls Pioneer Club on Wednesday nights for three hours to a bunch of kids that didn't want to be there. I wasn't being energized. <laughs> it, was, it was drudgery. I mean, it was, it was, now I love kids, and, and those of you who are here know I love being around kids, I love ministering to kids, we're involved in the schools, I'm involved in our student ministry and our children's ministry, I love kids, I, I was an uncle when I was eight years old, because my sisters are, are all older, now I, I was that kind of uncle that got my nieces and nephews in trouble, I'd be <laughs> chasing them through the house and I'd hear them get in trouble, so then I would come walking into the room rather than running. But I've always, always been around kids. I love kids, but, but that particular moment in time, that was draining. That was not energizing. And, and I stuck it out, boy, until they got enough people, and then we, we left the church. That's something we'll talk about later. Um, we don't want you to feel like you either have to die or leave the church to be able to change ministries. Um, we don't want that either. We don't want you to die or leave the church. Um, None of you laughed right then, okay. But, 
But right after that, we went to a different church, and I said, God, I'm not doing anything. I know God, God called me into the ministry at 16, and I was kind of on a path for that already through seminary and stuff. But I said, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to come and just be in this church because I'm not teaching fifth and sixth grade boys and girls for three hours every night on Wednesday that don't want to be there. And, and the, the minister of education who later uh, ended up taking me under his wing, one of the, my great mentors, um, he, he said, Larry, um, will you teach a young adult class? And I thought, well, that's got to be better than fifth and sixth grade boys and girls. And I said, well, how many are in the class? He said, well, with you and your wife, there will be two couples and one single person. <laughs> I don't know why it was a couples class. But, um, but you know what? I began to teach that class, and I found out that I liked teaching adults. And, and I was energized. And, and I began to look forward to Sunday mornings and being with that group and teaching. And, and, and God just kind of helped me understand right then, Larry, when you're doing what I've called you to do and what I've gifted you to do, it's not going to be hard. It's not going to be drudgery. It's not going to be painful. Uh, but it's going to be something that, that, will, that will lift you up, something that will energize you. And then that leads me to the second thing. So first is what energizes you rather than drains you. If you jump in and you start serving and you're loving it and that's something that you love to do, then I would say that's probably a gifting God has given you. But the second thing is, is similar is when you do this much, if they're listening online, I'm holding my hands out with just a few fingers, but God produces this much. It looks like I'm telling one of those fish stories. I caught one that big. You know, you know when you put in that much, but God supernaturally blesses and the increase is this much. And, and what began to happen in that little young couples class that started out with two couples and a they weren't really single, they were married, but their spouse didn't come, it is God just started bringing people in. And that class began to grow. And, and in, in the church, catching the, the attention of some, the, the pastor and, and some of the others, and, and they would come and say, oh, you know, Larry, you're doing a great job. And I'm like, no, I'm doing that. I mean, that's all I'm given, but God is doing that. And and, and I kept, you know, kept telling them, God's just doing it. And, and, and that class grew. And it grew into three classes. And it grew into a young adult department. And that's always fun whenever, like, you start a new class like that because the adult class has to be something else then. So we were the young adults. They didn't want to be called the old adults. So they were the median adults because we had the glory-bound class after that. Um, <laughs> And, and I, remember, I remember Wayne, uh, and, and he, again, just a great mentor. He, he pulled me in his side. He said, what are you doing? I said, we're not doing anything. We're just, it's just fun, and God's just blessing. And he's like, no, there's got to be more than that. What, what are you doing? And so I kept telling him what we're doing this much, but he kept seeing what God was doing that much. And, and so finally I said, all right, the, the only thing I know that I can tell you, were, there were two things, but... The only thing I know that I can tell you is that, that because we're the young adult class, and this is a large church, when I look around in church and I see people my age who, aren't, who I don't know, I know they're not in Sunday school, so I invite them to Sunday school. 
He goes, no, you have to be doing more than that. I said, well, okay, we all go out to eat afterwards. And so we just invite them to come to Golden Corral with us. We'd pick a corner so the kids couldn't escape. But whenever you, you just jump in and you start doing it, and God starts blessing it. And, and from the outside, you know, and it may look like, wow, boy, they know what they're doing. And you're going, no, I don't. I'm doing that. And God is doing that. And, and even that is energizing. So, so let me encourage you this morning. Don't let your age keep you from serving God. Whether you might think you're, you're on the youngish side or the not-so-youngish side, don't let your age keep you from serving God. He intends to use you if you're still here for his kingdom. And the second thing is this, that don't let your giftings or the, the gifts that you might think you have or the ones that you might not think you have, don't let that keep you from serving God. Even if you don't know what they are, just jump in and try something. And, and I give you permission, I, I get myself in trouble here, and if, you, if you're a guest, you can go home and tell your pastor that, that somebody told you, you you have permission to do this. If you jump into a ministry, and it's draining rather than energizing, look for something different. We don't want you to have to die or leave the church to change ministries. Look for something different. Find something that, that energizes you. Find something that you love doing. Find something that you can be passionate about. And, and do that. You may be saying, I don't think my church has a ministry for like, like that. So, I mean, if you have the ministry of encouragement, then you don't have to be like, you know, the encouragement ministry team. <laughs> you just do it. Write letters, emails, phone calls, or just be the one that goes around. If you have the gift of hospitality, there doesn't have to be a hospitality ministry. Just jump in and do it. If there's not one that, that this is the passion that God has given you, just, just do it. There doesn't have to, you don't have to, now I know you can go home, some of you who are guests, and I'll get in trouble with your pastor telling him to call me. Well, <laughs> but just do it. And, and, and when you jump in, and you see God begin to bless that, be sure you tell people, no, 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 it's not me. I'm just doing this, but God is the one who's blessing it. And just know that that's what it feels like to operate in, in the gifts that God has given you. So I always like to give you a very, very practical application. So here it is for today. Two parts. One, if you're serving somewhere, then ask yourself, is this energizing or is it draining? Am I passionate about what I'm doing? Or does it really feel more like drudgery to me? The second one is this. Am I doing all of the work when I'm serving? Or am I doing this and God is blessing it? And if you, if you have to answer no to either of those, then, then I would just ask you to consider changing. Now, I know, boy, that's hard. Because they looked... 
for 20 years to find somebody to teach the two-year-olds, and you're it. (laughs) And as far as you know, there's not like a line of people ready to take over when you leave. I know that's hard. That's hard for you to do that. That's hard for uh, the, the person who's coordinating. Coordinating. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. Was was speaking Southern in the melodrama last night. It came back. Um, coordinating that ministry. But but I, as a pastor, I would rather have you serve somewhere that you're passionate about. So consider changing. It, if you're doing all the work and you don't really see God blessing and you just feel like it's getting harder and harder to do, just consider changing. Don't Don't quit. Don't leave the church. Just consider changing what you're doing and ask God. I know we love to have writing on the wall. You know, wouldn't it be great if God texted us? I think there's like a like a movie or a show TV show now about that. You know, if God if we had prayed and God just like texted, we got it right there. Here's what I've told my kids when when they were young. I've counseled other people. When you're praying that God will lead you in a direction, go in the direction he points your heart. You might not have a destination, but just go in that direction. Might be like, I don't know, I, I, I like visiting with people. I, I just, just like being around people. Then, then go in that direction. Find something in that direction. And the second one is this. If, if you're not currently serving somewhere, then, then ask God to point you in a direction of service. Somewhere, somehow. And, and if it's not an official one, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. It uh, doesn't have to be. Uh, uh, we, we might end up with 8,000 ministries if we found, you know, official ministries that matched everybody's giftings. You can just do it. And, and, and look for God to energize you. and Look for God to bless it. And if you try something and that's not happening, don't be afraid. In fact, when someone asks you if you could serve in an area, don't be afraid to say this, even if it's me that's asking you don't be afraid to say you know what i'll give that a try can can we try it for just a couple of months will you give me permission to try that out and if it's if it's just not working then then i have permission to change that would be great and then at the end of a couple of months or whatever it is that that you decide you, you ask yourself those questions am i being energized by this is god blessing this and if not, then say, Lord, maybe that's not it. Maybe, maybe it's somewhere else. Are you serving where God wants you to serve? That's the big thing. Letting him use you because regardless of your age or your giftings, God plans to use you for his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, even when I say those words, it, it blows me away that you, the God of all creation, would choose to use us for your kingdom. You don't have to. We are certainly imperfect in, in everything that we do. And yet, that's your plan, to use us to be able to take the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And God, it, it humbles us, but it also lets us know of, of our value to you. And so, Lord, this morning we pray that, I pray particularly as pastor, Lord, that, that you, you, you would get each person involved somewhere, somehow. 
And if they're serving somewhere now that that's that that they're they're being drained, they're not passionate. Lord, would would you just give them the, the courage and, and the boldness to try something different? Father, I, I can't imagine what it would look like if if everyone was serving where they're gifted. If everyone was serving where they're passionate. And, and we wouldn't have to worry about the 80-20 rule that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But that God, 100% of your body would be functioning as it ought to be and and you would be blessing as you desire. People would be coming to faith in Christ. You would be honored and glorified. God, that's what we pray for. And I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to step out and serve. The courage and the boldness to change, uh, maybe if we need to, where we serve. God, we wouldn't do it for us. But God, we would just be instruments for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.